Everyone, if we learned one thing this weekend, no one does it like you, Hoover. But we'll hear more about that in a minute. First, we're going to get into our one more week with your three favorite geniuses. Thank you for tuning in to our not-so-genius takes of all things TCU football, as well as some other things around the country. Like I said, we're going to get into Hoover in a minute. So other than Hoover, what the heck happened to bring the Frogs back yet this yesterday? Well, I'll start us off by saying complimentary football happened yesterday. The defense set the tone for the game. Millard Bradford jumped a route perfectly. We brought five people. We mentioned that's something that needed to happen last week is we needed to get pressure on Slovis. We did. Millard stepped in front of the pass, took it back easily. And I think that that play really set the tone. It took hundred percent of the pressure off of Josh Hoover because we already had a seven point buffer before he got the ball. And then the fact that BYU had five drives in the first quarter, honestly, the first quarter was just perfection <laughs> from a defensive standpoint. And honestly on offense too, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. I would say like, Sticking with the defensive theme, Josh Newton this game looked so good. Uh, he he finally showed us why we've been kind of touting him as this number one lockdown corner that we've desperately needed him to be coming in and taking over THT's spot from last year. He was phenomenal this game. He was really, really important in terms of locking up Slovis's passing game. I said it last week. I don't think Slovis is very good, and he definitely showed that this week. But um, props to Josh Newton. The guy stepped up, and the guy made some big plays for us. Yet TCU football posted something uh, yesterday. Josh Newton, through six games, is number three in the country in receptions allowed among Power 5 corners, minimum of 200 snaps. He's number one in passing slash receiving touchdowns among power five corners. He's number three in forced incompletion percentage, and he's number eight in coverage grade among power five corners. That's, that's about all you need to say right there. Josh Newton knows ball. He absolutely knows ball. And I think the the game just continued to get better after the first drive where – JPR just refuses to go down. He gets yes. hit. He gets hit. Oh my god. And he stays up. I so one of you, I think it was Jacob tweeted from the from the Three Wiseman account. I love JPR dash Connor probably right now when that happened. That first of all, those of you who aren't yet, follow at TCU's Three Wiseman on Twitter. But that was exactly me in that moment. I was on the phone screaming, I love JPR. To someone who's not a TCU fan, 
doesn't know who JPR is, but gosh dang it, they were going to hear that I love JPR. He had a fantastic game. Um, it was his first career 100-yard game. He had six catches for 104 yards and that touchdown. That touchdown is what we had last year and haven't had this year, where it's just the want to not be tackled. Uh, if, if you go back and listen to our episode after the Colorado game, I complained that I felt like our guys didn't want it the way they did last year. That like last year, Kendra Miller, QJ would look and say, if I end up getting a touchdown, but I'm not still standing, that was a failure. Whereas this year they're shooting for the hundred and for the end zone and they're compromising short of it. That was the first time I felt like he was looking 30 yards past the end zone and said, I'm not, I'm not going down until I have won this game. And it was the first time it felt like we wanted to win. I complained last week um, with a friend of mine. If any of you guys have seen the show letter, Kenny, there's a, in its spinoff, they complain that their hockey team's so bad, not just because it doesn't want to win, but because it doesn't hate to lose. And last week after the Iowa State game, I looked at my friend and I was like, I'm more pissed about this than they are. Like, I, 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 they don't hate to lose. They don't want to win. And I stopped feeling that then. It's exactly what you just said. He didn't want to be tackled. He hated to lose and he wanted to win. And we needed that. And it finally was happening. Yeah, and going on about JPR, he did have some interesting post-game press conference uh, topics. JPR basically said about Hoover, uh, I'm not sure you come around kids of his character and his ability too often. And I'm not surprised by the way he played today. I think he showed himself what he's capable of doing. I, I don't really have much more to say than that. Yeah, and especially with JPR being Chandler's roommate, I think that's definitely an intriguing comment coming from him specifically. Um, one other comment about Hoover, and we'll get into him a little bit later. Obviously, he's the big topic of the day. But um, one other comment that I wanted to mention in this piece is, is Sonny Dyke's comments about his work ethic and about how he's kind of always the first one in to the into the – um, weight room or in, into the film room, the last one leaving. Um, there's there's a saying out there that about sports in particular of obsession beats talent every time. And I think that can hold true with Josh Hoover and the fact that like if you are not like if you're super talented, right? Um, you'll be good regardless, but you'll never be as good as the person who is just absolutely obsessed with being good at well, that specific sport. And the and other I, thing about that is they all, this is college football. They're all talented. They wouldn't be there if they weren't talented. And if you're not obsessed, you're not special. Like I couldn't sit down and work hard enough to be better than better at Chan football than Chandler Morris. I am not talented. And my obsession is not going to get me there. But they're all starting from a baseline of we are D1 college football players. They all already have talent. And the obsession is the difference between special and six and six. Yeah. Continuing on, we punted once today. Wow. One time. 
It was uh, on a fourth and one in the first quarter when, rightly or wrongly, Kendall Bryles decided not to run the ball on third and one and ended up with a, with a, I think it was a completed pass, but it was not a first down. So we gave it to Sandy. He had like a 44-yard punt down to inside the red zone. And that was all we had to do today. Thankfully, you never really want to see your punter out there. Um, but really, I got to hand it to the special teams. The special teams played much better. And we've been calling them out for several weeks now. They were consistent today and consistently the, good. The evidence is mounting that the team listens to the three wise men because the more often we call something out on our podcast, the more we seem to focus on fixing that. And they really were. We've been complaining a lot about special teams. And they finally, and you know what? They weren't. Like you said, they were consistently good. It's not like there was anything hyper-magical or anything. But they they didn't feel like they were completely discombobulated like they have the last few weeks. Like, when they walked out, I wasn't confused every time they walked out on the field. And, I mean, quite frankly, that's – you love to have a guy like Turpin or Darius. But you said this before. Special teams' real job is not that electric play – it's me not being confused when they run out. It's them getting their job done. And that's exactly what they did. I, I want to touch back onto our defense just very briefly before we continue on. Um, our defense looked really good, like we said. I thought our run defense looked incredible. Now, we, we mentioned that BYU's rushing offense is lackluster at best. Um, arguably very, very trash. But they had 91 rushing yards, 2.8 yards per carry this game. And props to Shad and Namdi. They both had like seven and six tackles, respectively. Like they, they looked really good in run defense. But I I want to call it Dominic because he absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage and blew up a lot of these run plays before they could even get going. And that's what allowed Shad and Namdi to play so well and be aggressive is because – like we were right at the beginning of all of these run plays, we were immediately blowing them up and just turning it into a crapshoot at that point. I do want to talk about Savion as well. Yes. He has not shown up for the majority of the first six games of the season. And I know that that has irked Barrett to his core. He was there yesterday. He, yeah, he had the game Barrett's been calling for him to have. Yeah, we've been we've been talking about Savion basically every single week on this podcast and saying he needs to step up. He needs to fill those shoes of QJ, and not to say that Savion is the same player that QJ was. QJ was a very special wide receiver. Like you can't necessarily fill that void with one person. But if there was going to be one person, Savion had the same talent, the same. Um, skill set that QJ had, um, maybe on a slightly lesser level, but we we fully expected him to just slide over into that role, and we hadn't seen it until today. 
And I think part of why we saw Savion have such a big game today is the QB switch from Chandler to Hoover. We talked about in our podcast last week where Chandler doesn't necessarily have the deep accuracy to be able to utilize that piece of our offense. Hoover's got an absolute cannon and he's accurate with it. Um, his arm talent I, and being a decisive quarterback in terms of being able to read the defense quickly and efficiently, I think allowed us to open up the playbook and open our offense to utilize that deep passing scheme. And that's where Savion's at his best, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought his first catch, or maybe it was his second, but it was the third down and eleven in the first quarter and that ball should not have been caught by any normal person. It would not have been a catch. That was a grown man catch. And that's the kind of stuff that we've been waiting to see from Savion this year. Moving on. I think that this was the first time all season that TCU scored going into half and then scored again coming out. And they didn't really score going into half because, like, there were 40 seconds or something like that left on the clock. But I still count it. And that's a 14-point swing. That's stealing an extra possession. I all It's something that I always look at, uh, especially if we're receiving the ball in the second half. And it was good to see that our fast start from the first half was not contained just to the first half. Last note before we get into the crown delight crown, what you guys guys came here for to talk about Hoover. Last note before that, defense past two games. uh, Last week we talked about how there were two drives of over 50 yards that ended up in 10 points total. This week, two drives of over 50 yards, just barely, but two drives over 50 yards. Eight points total. Um, we've we've talked about it before. the The defense for the frogs has been consistently getting better and better every single week this year. And I don't necessarily know if it's a, a change in scheme, a change in coaching. I think the guys are buying in more, and than they were earlier this year. But we're seeing this frogs defense turn into a force to be reckoned with. And now, granted, BYU is not a great team. Like, there's that caveat there. But we still went out and took care of business where we needed to take care of business, and there's some merit to that. Well, absolutely. And the one thing we've been saying, because we've talked about the fact that the defense improved a little bit each week, and they've continued doing that. Although, unfortunately, up until this point, the defense seems to have improved at the expense of the offense, which has gotten a little worse every week. That's no longer true this week. The strongest wall on that field was not the barrier that was our defense. It was the Hoover Dam itself out there on the field. So let's give the people what they came here for. Let's hear about the man that would have carried us to a national championship season had he started from the beginning. <laughs> what what went incredibly well this week? The dude played out of his mind. Redshirt freshman, really his first game time. We mentioned how he didn't really play much against Nichols, and then he came in last week 
and like the middle of the third quarter where whenever he did. But the guy tore it up. He was 38 for 59, 439 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, one which wasn't his fault. Posted an 82 QBR, which is pretty much our second highest QBR of the year. I don't really count Nichols State as counting towards QBR. Uh, but Chandler had a better one against SMU, and that, that's, that was it. I, he played out of his mind. I know Barrett's really eager to getting into this. Yeah, man. One, one, one thing to note here, he spread the ball well. We, we had 13 different receivers with a catch this week, which, granted, you're throwing the ball almost 60 times. Like You're going to get a lot of receptions, but even so, spreading the ball to that many guys is impressive. Um, so I think that goes to show his ability to like move quickly through reads on the defense. We talked about his preparation a little bit earlier. Um, I thought he moved really, really well in the pocket. There were a couple of plays where pocket collapsed. He stayed strong, was able to escape and find a guy on the sideline or just throw it out of bounds. Honestly, one of the most impressive plays that I saw of him ended up turning into an incomplete incomplete pass. And part of it, part of why I thought it was so impressive is because the pocket collapsed, he had nowhere to go, found a way to escape, and kept his eyes downfield the entire time. And instead of trying to force a pass to get a few yards, he threw it out of bounds. Which, like, for a freshman to have that level of poise and be able to read the defense and say, nah, it's not there, I'm just going to the next down like that's very rare and so i want to commend him for that i thought i talked about earlier his arm talent in terms of his arm strength and accuracy opens up our offense with the downfield looks and thought he did a good job of not just bulleting everything in there with his cannon of an arm but he used touch when he needed to um bryles threw the ball a lot this game I think partly to see what he had with Hoover. I think we've got a pretty good glimpse of that moving into next week. I also think potentially he did that to give Imani a bit of a break. The guy's been running the ball nonstop every single game, Um, especially going to K-State, which we'll talk about later. We're probably going to need him a lot. So giving him a break week is definitely beneficial for our future. Um. One last thing that I will touch on is his long run where he ran for like 26 yards. The end of that, dude lowered his shoulder to blow up a corner. <laughs> um, that gave me absolute Mad Max Duggan vibes from last year. The guy just wants to win, and he will do whatever it takes to win. And I think that there is some merit to that. There is something to be said of that. Um it's early, but Josh Hoover looked really, really good last game. And there's potential for him to end up being our QB of the future, I think. Doing whatever it takes to win, I think, is a, is the theme of this week. And I think the team is just re-energized with Hoover. You, you could see it from the receivers snatching hands passes most of the time uh the offensive lines pass blocking 
was incredible today. They allowed two hurries. We dropped back almost 60 times. Two hurries in 60 plays and zero sacks. And it's not like this BYU defense was bad. They were 4-1 and one coming into this game, and they were not winning their game with their offense. So... And you know what? Even if they were bad, you know who's bad? Colorado. Colorado got imploded against Stanford. And that team ate us up. They put up more than 40 points on us. And we our offense was fine, but they that team beat us up. SMU is bad. And that's our one impressive win of the season. Iowa State and West Virginia are better than we expected them to be, but they're not powerhouses. We have been doing poorly against bad teams. So we can write it off that like, okay, maybe BYU is bad. I'm sorry. I don't care that BYU isn't that good. Our team showed up against a team that was bad in a way that they should have several times this season that they haven't yet. And it's because the team's energized. They're ready to play and they're following a leader who, albeit as a freshman, wants to win and is playing like he wants to win. And he also said in the press conference after that he left points on the field and that it was going to keep him up. That's That's a king. That's the energy that we want. And he's not wrong. We did kind of struggle in the red zone at times. But that's really all we have to say about Hoover. He was absolutely phenomenal today. The, well, the, the last thing that I'll add in, not necessarily about Hoover, but just about the game in general. Man, I hate how many drops our receivers have on a consistent basis. Um, to, to get into kind of like what didn't work, obviously we talked a lot about what did work this week, but we have got to clean up those drops. JoJo had another one. He caught three passes this game, which is better than most other games where he has three drops, but he still had another drop. Um, We had like eight drops this game, I think. Uh, That's absurd. We need to clean that up. We need to give Hoover, Chandler, whoever ends up being our starting quarterback for the rest of the season, um, support, especially going into this K-State game. Um, And I would also add in that we can complain about the run game, I guess. Maybe, but like that wasn't necessarily part of the script. Like we threw the ball 60 times and we didn't need to throw the ball 60 times. That was just part of Kendall Bryle's plan for this week. Um, touched on it earlier. I think he was just trying to see what he has with Josh Hoover, uh, especially knowing that he's going to have him for a couple of weeks with Chandler out at least. Yeah, and so I I think that not running the football was definitely part of the scheme and less so a product of like us just not being able to run it well. I think it's time to dive into some player awards. And our golden player, we've given it to the second best player on our team almost every week because we didn't know the best player on our team was hiding, waiting to start his Heisman career this weekend. The great and mighty Josh Hooper himself is obviously our golden player. And I held off on saying this because I wanted to include in the golden player award. 
for those who watch our podcast, I am a betting man. We were picked to beat BYU by five points. Anyone who watches College Game Day, two of the Game Day guys picked BYU as their super dog pick. It was Pat and Herbie. Suck it, both of you. Um, they both picked BYU as their super dog pick. And the new store brand Bears board, whatever they call it now, also picked BYU to beat us. All of these people, we can say BYU is not that good. And he had a good, good performance against BYU. No one didn't know when they were making those picks, BYU wasn't that good. There was one thing that changed in between the moment they made that pick and the moment we won our game by 30 points. And it was putting Josh Hoover into the game. I said it a week ago. I'll say it again now. And I'll say it until I'm dead. This man is leading the frogs to victory and y'all can suck his cold, hard balls because he dropped them on the table this weekend and he left them there. Golden player award goes to Josh Hoover. No one does it like you, Hoover. <laughs> uh, gosh. Follow uh, that. Yeah, following that. Thank you for that image, Connor. <laughs> um <laughs> Following that with our Franken-sensational player, um, I think it's someone who struggled the past couple of weeks, um, maybe doesn't necessarily get the recognition that they deserve a lot of the times. Griffin Kelt, man. Guy had three field goals, five extra points. Um, he put up 11 points. No, he put up – I'm bad at math. He put up 14 points. For our offense. Looked good. Had a 47-yarder. Uh, coming back after the the craziness that he's had the past couple of weeks, getting two field goals blocked in one game, like that's that's got to hurt your psyche. And one the week before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he looked good. That 47-yarder hit the middle of the net. That would have been good from 67. Moving on to the players we want to see Murr out of. This was a hard award to choose this week, honestly, because everybody pretty much played a, a very good game. The people we ended up settling on, though, are the wide receiver core. Those drops can't happen. It was okay this week because BYU got absolutely no pressure on Josh Hoover. He had all time all all day to pick out who he wanted to throw it to. KSU will get pressure. Their defense is good. We need the guys to step up next week. We want to see Murr out of them. We need to help Hoove on a consistent basis. With that, I am a firm believer that the entire state of Kansas doesn't exist. But I'm told they have a couple schools out in that so-called state, and one of them doesn't have Jalen Daniels. So can you guys tell me a little more about the Kansas school that doesn't have Jalen Daniels? The, that would be Kansas State. Um, and they've had a very interesting season so far. They have two losses to... Missouri and Oklahoma State. And obviously they lost a lot last season with Deuce Vaughn. 
He was their offense last year. And we've said many times on this podcast that as Will Howard goes, Kansas State goes. But that was not the case yesterday against Texas Tech. Connor did his job. You are welcome, people. For those who listened last week, I told you I would personally eliminate Will Howard. (laughs) I told you I had a tortilla with his name on it. And Will Howard is no longer our problem. Once again, K-State is right to whine that TCU injured their quarterback because I took down Will Howard. He was a complete non-factor. He is 6 of 9 for 86 yards and 3 rushes for 0 yards. Can't really... I mean, I guess his completion percentage was good. But really, going into next week, we need to look at who the heck is this kid who tore Texas Tech up for five rushing touchdowns as a quarterback? Now, I will say, and I recognize that this has to be taken with a grain of salt because I just gave the whole speech about it doesn't matter that BYU sucks, that's still impressive for Hoover. So it doesn't matter that Tech sucks, it's still impressive for this kid. But I I will throw out that I stood there and watched Texas Tech in a track meet against Houston, who absolutely shredded Texas Tech's defense for an entire half. Texas Tech ended up running away with it, but Tech's defense is not all that impressive. And I've seen them get shredded a couple times. So it does have to be taken with a grain of salt that I think – any one of us on this podcast could get at least one rushing touchdown against Texas Tech ourselves. He didn't throw the ball that much. Johnson was only eight of nine yesterday for 77 yards, and he had 13 rushes for 90 yards with those five touchdowns. But this guy's a true freshman, four-star quarterback, um, 95 overall rating, according to 24-7 sports. Uh, He was ranked as the 85th player overall nationally, ninth best quarterback, and he was the top player in the state of Kansas this past year. That doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. State doesn't exist. But this guy does, for sure. This uh, this guy, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chris Singletary, um, 247 analyst, says that he's an insane athlete with really good pocket presence. He's improved his mechanics, and he absolutely has a potential NFL future based on his skill set and body frame. That being said, I think we see both Howard and Johnson this game. Um, I think Howard probably starts again, and if it doesn't go so well, we will see Johnson relatively quickly. For those worried about seeing Howard this game, I should mention I actually will be in Kansas next weekend. So I'm going to buy some tortillas on my way and put the fear of God back into Will Howard (laughs) before next game. (laughs) Um, Moving on from the quarterback position, they have a two-headed monster in the backfield. This is a rushing first team. They have DJ Giddens, who's a sophomore, 94 carries, 541 yards and four touchdowns. He also has 16 receptions for 135 yards. 
And then Treshawn Ward is kind of the guy they brought in to Traitor. replace Deuce Vaughn. He's a transfer from Florida Traitor. State, which is why Connor is yelling traitor. Uh, he has 60 yards for, or 60 carries for 337 yards with two touchdowns, seven receptions, 72 yards, and one touchdown. And against Tech, Ward was their best rusher. So he's hitting his stride. I think it took him a little bit, but he's hitting his stride. I really think that they will roll with whoever's hot. That's what they did against Tech. And it'll be tough for our defense to stop. We'll need the line to control uh, the game just like we did this past week. Receiving, they don't have too much of note. Kansas State has always had good tight ends, though, and that is the case this year. Uh, ben Sinnott, he is a junior tight end. He, he's their leading receiver uh, with 26 catches for 358 yards and three touchdowns. After him, you have one guy with more than 200 yards receiving, and that's Philip Brooks, who's a senior wide receiver. He has 31 catches for 523 yards and two touchdowns. On defense, they kind of got three guys, um, and one on each level, who Frog fans need to know. Austin Moore is a senior linebacker who's their leading tackler with 38 tackles. 25 solo and one sack. Kobe Savage is a guy who Frog fans have probably heard of before. He's a junior or senior safety. He has 33 tackles, 23 solo, and two interceptions. And both of his interceptions came against Tech yesterday, so he is hot. And lastly, a guy named Khalid or Khalid Duke. He's a senior defensive end. He only has 11 tackles, 10 solo, but five of his tackles are sacks. And he has one forced fumble as well. So that's who Frog fans need to be aware of. I think this will be a very difficult game for TCU to prepare for because they will be preparing for two quarterbacks. And I'll turn it over to Barrett to talk about how we will prepare for them. Yeah, so getting into coaches and schemes. Head coach is Chris Kleiman. Uh, he's been there since 2019, but previously he was the head coach of North Dakota State um, down in D2. Um, he's a good coach, obviously. Has kept Kansas State in the running for Big 12 title. Obviously, they won it last year, um, or at least they won the title game last year. Um Offensive coordinator is Colin Klein. He was he was a former Kansas State quarterback. Wasn't a great passer, but ran the ball well as a quarterback. And that's basically what we're expecting to see out of their offense. Um, one thing I will say of him as a as a offensive coordinator, he is very much willing and able to tweak his system to fit the needs and personnel that he has, um, which in my opinion, is a pretty rare ability of coordinators nowadays. I think it makes him a particularly dangerous co coordinator to play against. Um, he's got an aggressive offensive scheme that's predicated on a dominant running game with a good mobile quarterback. Um, it's going to be very similar to what we saw with West Virginia, where they're going to rely on having a really strong mobile quarterback making decisions in the RPO game. Um, the difference I would say between 
Klein's system and West Virginia system is that his system is predicated on minimizing mistakes. Um, they typically have a really low turnover ratio and a really high red zone completion percentage, like red zone scoring percentage, um, which doesn't necessarily bode well for like a bend don't break type of defense, which TCU typically runs. Um, the the keys for us on the defensive side of the ball will be containing Howard or Avery Johnson, whichever quarterback is out there. They're both strong runners and like not as great as a passer. Um, Shad and Jamoy are going to have their work cut out for them this game in terms of QB spy. It's going to be really important for this game. Um, secondly, I would say is Dominic is going to have to have another big game and we're going to have to stop the running backs on the inside. Um, if, if they start gashing us for five, six, seven yards of carry on the inside, and then we key in on the running back that opens up the floodgates for Howard or Johnson to take off on the outside for a huge run. Um, they're going to run a lot of read optional and a lot of RPO there. It's going to, it's going to be a bit of bully ball in the middle. <laughs> um, and so we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Our, our front seven is going to be the key to this game. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, Joe Klanderman is their defense coordinator. He's been there since 2019 also. He is um, he came over from North Dakota State with, um, with Chris Kleiman. Runs a 3-3-5. Now, whenever he was at North Dakota State, I will say as a caveat, he ran like a 4-3 and changed it whenever he joined into the Big 12. So, again, it's going to be a versatile defense. Um, he's moved around a lot of players on the defense from last year moving into this year in terms of p- players and positioning um, and what position those guys are playing, especially in the secondary. They've lost a lot of key players this year from last year. Um Anzuike Uzoma, or however you pronounce his last name, their stud defensive lineman is gone. Um, he's basically being replaced by Khalid Duke, who's just as good at getting to the quarterback. Uh, Julius Brents is gone as their star corner. So he's missing a lot of pieces that he had last year. And I think that's partly why you see them not doing as well as they did last year. Um, they've still got a really strong linebacker core. And the defensive scheme focuses on getting pressure on the QB from the defensive line, which they have been able to do this year um, with Dukes. And so we our offensive line probably won't see a lot of pressure from the linebacking core, but the D-line is certainly serviceable enough to be able to get pressure on their own. Um, and so what that allows them to do is they're – they have historically been really good against the pass because they can send four guys instead of six or seven and play better coverage on the back end. I expect the frogs to switch gears from this past week where we threw the ball 60 times. I expect us to run the football and run it often. Um, I, I talked about how potentially browse was looking ahead to this week and giving uh, Amani a, a break this past week. I, I expect Amani to get a full workload this game. 
hopefully for us to win this one, we're giving the golden award to Amani again next week because he's going to have to do his job like he's never done his job. That all being said, I think we're ready to, unless you guys have anything else on K-State. All right, I think we sufficiently decided Kansas isn't real. We're going to move on around the Big 12. We can do pretty quickly. First, shout out to Houston. A new Big 12 team finally got a win, and it was an incredible win for those who saw it. Um, Iowa State, maybe less embarrassing of a loss than we thought. It wasn't just weird things in, in Ames, Iowa. This one was in Cincinnati, and Iowa State looked pretty convincing. And uh, we were all wrong on our Kansas pick. So that was a rough one, but good job to Oklahoma State. They seem to have finally figured it out halfway through the season here. Um, Caveat I, on that one, though. Jalen Daniels did not play. Oh, that's right. That's and we true. all said, if he plays, Kansas wins. <laughs> that's true. That what All of our pick did rest somewhat heavily on that. You're all right. I, I feel um, bad for Kansas not having Daniels because their season would look completely different, I think, if oh, they did. Oh, absolutely. They, they're – a significantly better team with Daniels than they are without. It's it's completely. Other things, just in our picks from last week, our mystery game of the week was Buford versus Mill Creek, and Buford pulled off the upset as the underdog, Team One, came in and took the win, pulled off an upset just to shove it in Jacob's face. I, for one, needed that because even with those free five points over Jacob, I am still significantly behind in our rankings, as you can see below. Barrett is running away with it at 107. Jacob is at 104, and I am still in double digits at 98. And credit where credit is due, Dylan last week tied with Barrett at 16 points on the week to tie for first place on last week. And with that, we've got some picks for this week. Jacob, who is winning in the TCU-K-State game? Now, before you answer, I'd like our listeners to remember that Jacob is what they call an idiot. And Jacob picked some dumb team in Utah last week. And that dumb team in Utah lost by 30 points because they have nothing on Hoover's cold, hard balls. Jacob, K-State or TCU? Look, you guys call me an idiot. I call myself a genius. <laughs> I know the power of the reverse jinx or reverse psychology or whatever you want to call it. I'm the reason TCU won last week, and I will be the reason we win this week. Kansas State will win. Barrett. Uh, this is going to be a tough game. Where It's going to be very similar system to West Virginia, like I mentioned. I think we pull it out with Hoover as the X factor coming in instead of Chandler being quarterback. Kansas isn't real. TCU's winning this. No brainer. The one thing I will say on this game is make sure to take a drink every time they reference the fact that we're both playing with freshman backup quarterbacks. However, TCU's running away with it no matter who they start at QB. Go Frogs. Tech BYU. Jacob. I'll take Tech. Barrett. God, this is going to be so hard to pick because Tech is not going to have a pass offense and BYU is not going to have a rush offense. <laughs> so it, it, you're basically picking half of a team to win. 
Um, that being said, I think I agree with Jacob. I think Tech's just going to run the ball right over BYU. Tech is not excellent, but the half of their team they do have, like Barrett said, they've got a pretty good running team. They're going to do okay. I'll be a homer and pick Texas Tech. Uh, UCF at Oklahoma. Jacob. Oklahoma. Easy one. Barrett. Uh, I think this will be closer than most people think it will be. Uh, UCF is probably going to run the football down Oklahoma's throats. That being said, I think Oklahoma is still probably the better team. So we'll give the slight nod to OU. I'm picking Oklahoma. At the beginning of the season, Barrett and I were debating over whether or not UCF was the best team in Florida. And I'm pretty confident it's FSU after the meltdown UCF has had the last couple of weeks. I'm going with Oklahoma by a landslide. Oklahoma State at West Virginia. Jacob. Oklahoma State seems to have things figured out. But in Morgantown, it's a toss-up. Both teams, I think, have realistic Big 12 championship aspirations, frankly. Both teams have Oklahoma on their schedule, and that's that's it pretty much for the rest of the year. So I think whichever team wins this game will have kind of an inside track towards the Big 12 championship game. That being said, Oklahoma State's hot right now, so I think I'm going to take them. All right, Barrett. Uh, Jacob mentioned that these teams have Big 12 championship hopes. That doesn't necessarily mean that we think that these teams are good teams. This is going to be an absolute mid-off. <laughs> um, I think the home field advantage for West Virginia comes into play here, and I think they pull out, pull out the W. I think both Jacob and Barrett are right. I think Jacob's right that Oklahoma State is hot, and he's right that they are the better team. But I think that... West Virginia's home field advantage is too much, and I think West Virginia pulls up the the W. Morgantown scares me too much. Give me, Neil, give me Neil Brown, much to the chagrin of the West Virginia fan base. Absolutely. All right, Texas at Houston. Jacob. Texas. Barrett. Yeah, UT. Houston's not pulling off another miracle game. All right, guys, I'm making my pick Texas. I've got a feeling, and I don't have enough of a feeling. I'm not betting on it. I don't have the balls. My pick is Texas. But I want it on the record saying Texas is always good for throwing away one game that they obviously should have won a year. This is at Houston while Houston's feeling pretty dang good. Texas is finally about to feel their implosion after having lost to Oklahoma. I... I think this game's going to be tighter than we think it will be, but I am going with Texas. All right. Some other games around the country. Duke at FSU. Jacob. I'm going to go with Florida State, although I am coming around to the fact that Duke might actually be good this year. So I think it'll be close, but I think Florida State's – there's not really another stadium like it when Florida State is good. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm going to – I'll take the Knowles. Riley Leonard has been hurt recently for Duke. 
That being said, Duke's defense looks legit. They have a very strong defense. I don't think it's enough to overcome FSU, especially playing at FSU. Like Jacob said, that's a different breed of fan base whenever Florida State is good. When they're not good, it's like a very mid fan base. (laughs) There's a lot of t-shirt fans there. But that being said, (laughs) that being said, I think Florida State pulls off the win here. So this game, I think Florida State has harder games to win down the road with Miami and Florida because those are just rivalry games and weird things happen at rivalry games. But in terms of talent alone, I think this is the hardest game Florida State has left on their schedule this season, this regular season. Gonna be a good game, but you're both right. Can't beat the war chant at Doak during a truly good season for Florida State. Go Knowles, baby. Next, we have got Penn State at Ohio State. This will be a good game. This is going to be such a good game. I think Penn State, because it's not – I think the home team wins, so Ohio State. But if it was at at Penn State, I think Penn State would win. Um, I think both of these teams are slightly overrated, but I think they're both still very good teams. Barrett? Yeah, I don't like either of these teams. Once again, I hope both teams don't have fun. Um, I don't necessarily think Ohio State has a great quarterback. But what they do have is Marvin Harrison Jr. And that dude is an absolute stud. So, that being said, I think Penn State is wildly overrated. Um, I'm giving this one to Ohio State. Um, So, I disagree with Barrett that I don't I, I don't feel that I hope both teams don't have fun. I hate Ohio State more than almost any school in the country. I will be screaming we are Penn State this whole game. Unfortunately, I don't think Penn State will be able to beat Ohio State. Um, I hope they do, but I think Ohio State takes this one. Tennessee at Bama. Jacob. I'm going to go with Tennessee, and it's a hot take. I know it's a hot take, but Bama struggled against Arkansas last week, and BYU beat Arkansas. So, and Bama struggled against USF, and Bama lost to that joke of a program in Austin. I watched the Arkansas game against Alabama. Arkansas should have won that game. KJ Jefferson had zero help. That being said, Bama has gotten to a point in this season where things are starting to click for them with Jalen Milrow at QB. I didn't think he looked amazing, but I thought he looked way better than he had earlier in the season. And so I'm going to take Alabama in this one. I would give anything to go back a year and whispering past Connor's ear back when the playoffs were being announced and we were hearing the Tennessee and Bama fans whine to tell me that tell tell me that in the future not too long 
Tennessee Bama would be a mid-off. And I love that it's going to be a mid-off. I'm going with Jacob on this. I think Tennessee, I think Tennessee takes it. I've said a couple times this season on this podcast, and I've been wrong most of the times I've said it. But I've said that at the end of the day, when Bama loses at home, you find that it happens in clusters because they have down years. I do expect there to be multiple wins in Alabama this year, and I think this should be one of them. So I'm going with Tennessee. Um, Utah at USC. Utah. They're giant killers, and USC has zero defense. Barrett? I actually tend to agree with Jacob on this one. USC's defense is garbage. Utah actually has a pretty decent defense. Obviously, Caleb Williams is really good, but I think Utah is able to contain Caleb Williams to the point where they can pull this win off. I uh, I love Utah. My I have multiple family members who went to the University of Utah. We I grew up a Mountain West fan with TCU playing some of the best games we've ever had against Utah. I love watching Utah play. I'm rooting for Utah. I think they're winning this game. And in fact, their next four games, they basically play all of the Pac-12's conference contenders. I think they're going to beat all of them so that they can go on to ruin the Pac-12 and lose the Rose Bowl. So I'm going with the Utes. Uh, Next we have, and in our last one for this round, Clemson at Miami. I don't know. Um, I think I'm going to take Miami because they're at home and they looked better this week against UNC. I have zero belief in Dabo at this point. I, I think he's he's on the downslope um, because he hasn't adapted to modern college football. Barrett? Yeah, I think I'm with Jacob on this one. I think Miami looked good enough against UNC. I don't think Clemson is very good at all this year. Um, well, yeah, let's give it to like the fifth best Florida team. Well, as a Florida State guy, I really feel this is another moment of I hope both teams don't have fun. I would be more than happy to watch a natural disaster cancel this game. However... <laughs> In the likely event that that doesn't happen, I'm going to pick with my heart and pick the pick against the team I hate more. So I'm going with Clemson on this one. Um, now we've got our more important round. We for our first round first bleh, for our first pick of this more important round, I've got a battle of the directional schools: Southeast Louisiana versus Northwestern State. Jacob. Shoot, and both of them have two directions in them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, if you're paying attention, we have all four directions included in this matchup. And a state. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I think I'm going to go with southeastern Louisiana. All righty. Barrett. Uh, I would go with Bobby Boucher and Southeastern Louisiana. However, 
very so slightly the fact that Northwestern also has state added into their name. I'm going to ride with the super directional school of Northwestern state. (laughs) I am disagreeing with Barrett for a rule that Barrett taught me. I'm taking the more Southern team, Southeastern Louisiana all day, baby. (laughs) All right. We have got Misericordia at Stevenson. (laughs) What was that first one again? Misericordia. (laughs) It's definitely not how you pronounce it. I actually know how you pronounce it, and I'm standing by my deep American accent. Okay, so it's Missouri. No, it's not Missouri. Here, hold on. I'll send it in the chat. Misericordia. Oh. Misericordia versus who? Uh, Stevenson. <laughs> oh. Stevenson is at home, if that helps. Doesn't it doesn't help at all because Misericordia is taking it landslide victory of this perennial powerhouse. They're gonna walk into Stevensville and knock their shoulder pads off. All right, Barrett. Uh, Misericordia is gonna leave with a bunch of misery because the son of Stephen is going to take this one in a landslide. I have had one rule, and it has helped me all season. I have always bet on my fellow Catholic schools, and Misericordia sounds Catholic. So I'm (laughs) going with Misericordia on the hope that they are a Catholic school. And last but not least of this round, we have Wabash 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 College at Kenyon. Jacob. Look, I don't think Wabash can take on an entire country. So I'm going to go with the Kenyans here. Um, Yeah, that, you guys see my dog here. Um, That Kenyan conditioning, man, you can't beat it. All of their players are going to be cross-country runners moving forward, and like I, I think Kenyon pulls away in the fourth quarter of this game. Any of us that went to TCU around the same time Jacob Barrett and I did remember seeing the kids run and seeing them get smoked by that like 16-year-old Kenyon kid. There's no Alexander <laughs> butts about it. Kenyon is running this game and they will be led by that kid who is now an adult <laughs> in their star quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Last but not least, we have the great mystery game. As always, Excel is picked for me. I am riding with Team 2. Jacob, who do you have? I think Team 1 has won this game just about every single week. So I'm going to take Team 1. Barrett. Yeah, ride or die. Don't don't fix it till... Let's... <laughs> I can't speak today, guys. Start us off again. Team one has won it for me every time I bet on them. So take the ride or die. Let's ride with team one. 
All right. Normally, this would be the part of the week where I would say what bets I have, but my book doesn't have spreads yet, so I don't know who I have. The one thing I would say is to bet the house on insert team playing Georgia because that is printing money. I'm five and one and one against the spread against Georgia this season. Georgia has beaten me one time on the spread, but I promised my Georgia girlfriend since I'll be with her family next week, I wouldn't bet against them. They're not playing next week, so that's part of it. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what I'm riding with this week because the spreads are not out. So all I'll say is stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at TCU's Three Wisemen to see my picks because I will tell you how to print money because it's simply what I do. I lost $8 this week, so if you want to lose only $8 like I can, follow (laughs) TCU's Three Wisemen. Otherwise, thank you all so much. Thanks for tuning in for another week of your three favorite geniuses and our not-so-genius takes of all things TCU and other things around the country. Go Frogs! Oh my God, we're back again. Brothers, sisters, everybody sing. Gonna bring the flame, I'll show you how. Got a question for you, better answer now.